The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome to the coolness and the Christmas that is January. And as we move forward, there's always the remembrance of who we really are, which is light, sound, and color. We are the embodiment of light, which is all that is. We are found in every breath that we take, in every word that we speak, in every movement of even the cells that we don't realize are creating vibrations and ripples throughout the cosmos. And we are color. We are a wide expanse of emotion that expresses in many variations of hue and polarity as we express in the world. Those echoes of who we are ripple out in many different ways, and we're able to tap into them. And I'm really excited today to have a guest that is going to talk about some of those echoes. His book is entitled Echoes of an Ancient Dream, Aramaic Toning on the Path of Light. And it is one of the soul's journey back to the beginning of the primal vibrations of life itself. Dale Allen Hoffman offers insightful guidance on how to awaken the deep experiential wisdom threaded within the Yeshua teachings through the ancient indigenous practice of vocal toning. Dale guides us into the process of toning the Aramaic words of Yeshua to activate lucid states of alert, ecstatic presence within a matter of seconds. You can learn how to integrate the profound transformational sound healing process of vocal toning into all facets of your life, work, and relationships. Dale Allen Hoffman is a civilian scholar, mystic, and healer. Ancient insight for the present moment. Rather than studying religious history from within the Orthodox here theologian institution, Dale chose to step off the track of religious programming and take a path less traveled. He encourages others to stop eating from the menu being served and instead embrace an honest, balanced exploration of actual, authentic history of the Yeshua teachings in all of its manifestations. He travels internationally, sharing the experiential philosophies veiled beneath millennia of misunderstandings, skewed translations, and a general lack of perception. Dale has published numerous audio and video programs, and Echoes of an Ancient Dream is his first book. You can find out more about him at DaleAllenHoffman.com, where he has a YouTube channel where he uh, shares a lot in addition to a newsletter and many other offerings that you can find there. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dale Allen Hoffman to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Dale. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor to be on. Beautiful. Uh, you know, it's great I'm to almost have ready you to here. jump right it's, in. When, when you said, you said yeah. something about frequent, frequency or something, and it's like as soon as you said that word frequency, I started popping. So, <laughs> Well, you know, that's what, what's really going on right now, and I think 
when we think about the world and, and the land of duality and comparison to all that is oneness, it is all one and the same, and frequency is probably the thread that ties it all together, frequency and vibration. So when we think about those two things, I'd love to just get your take on how you view frequency, how you view vibration in terms of the matter that we are and as a foundation for where we're going to go in this conversation. You know, I go... I go deeper and deeper with the, the, the feeling and or the, the thought or my awareness of vibration, frequency, uh, several times a day. It's like I keep going deeper. Uh, there's, there's an intro or a forward to my book, Steve Vai, who was a guy that I idolized when I was a kid. He's an incredible, I believe, the greatest electric guitarist on the planet, plays with full orchestras, writes all of the different instruments of these different orchestral pieces. He's a rock star, played with White Snake and David Lee Roth and stuff. But in his foreword, he talks about uh, frequency and vibration and t- going from the, the, the subatomic level all the way out to the astronomical level and everything in between. And he talks about how there's this basically this beautiful, gorgeous dance of frequency and vibration, which is essentially God's symphony. And he talks about how it's that frequency that, that's creation itself. And my book, it's amazing because he hadn't read my book before writing the foreword uh, we had known each other for a while and he was a huge fan of my work and it's amazing how it just kind of launches the book off because here it is i'm starting to have this realization that look what is it that's the difference that we see between something that we think is not alive versus something that is of course everything is alive but it's a matter of frequency and being able to have these frequencies and or vibrations within the realm of our human senses, of course, we think we have five, but in truth, psychology has defined 21 clearly separate and distinct senses. But when it's within a certain range of senses, most people kind of say, okay, well, it's real because I can perceive it. But what's really going on is there's things far outside of what our human body can comprehend. And if we look at, say, a rock, you look at a rock, it's got a vibration, it's alive. Of course, its frequency is probably so slow that a single vibration, you know, a single sine wave of vibration that it emits is so wide that we can't comprehend it because we're not going to be able to sit around for, say, what, 10 years to, to find one little pulse. However, when something is within the range of what we perceive, such as heartbeat or breath or certain colors that are within the frequency ranges that we can pick up, we say, oh, well, this is life. This is alive. What's the difference between a living body and a non-living body? It's because we're picking up the frequency. We're picking up the vibration of heartbeat, of breath, etc., of the movement of the circulatory system, whatever. So when it's within certain parameters, we tend to say something is alive, but yet everything is alive. It's just when it's within the parameters that we can perceive. Now, what's really gorgeous and intriguing is that, and this is all over the book, Echoes of an Ancient Dream, in ancient Aramaic, the language that Yeshua had spoken, the word rucha, which is ruach in Hebrew, rucha is a word that was translated ultimately into Latin as spiritus. And it's the word spirit. But what's really beautiful in Aramaic is that word spirit Ruha also is the word breath, and it's also the word heartbeat. It's also the word cosmic expansion. It's also the word for wind. 
It's also the word for uh, electricity, magnetism, electromagnetism, because what rucha really means is frequency or vibration. And that's the pulse of life, whether it be a color, whether it be, of course, we see in the winter, here it is, I've been trapped up on my, I say trapped, on my mountain for four days in Asheville, North Carolina, in snow, and right now it looks like the trees have this appearance of death, yet in just a few weeks, we're going to start to see life coming back, and as that life is coming back, it's going to start taking on these brilliant, bright green colors. We're going to see that ebb and flow, the max of its life through the summer into the fall, it's going to take on a different frequency of colors and then go back to what appears to be death again. But of course we know we've been through so many sets of seasons, that's not death. And for me, it all ties in with vibration. What's yes, that? and we tend to pulse over things um, like that. I mean, we go through life, we go through seasons, we go through time, and we kind of take it all for granted. We, we allow things to just move past us because so many people are caught up in their busy, everyday lives and don't take the time to even consider the, the minute vibrations that are taking place. And in the same vein, when we're speaking words, I mean, in the beginning was the word, but do we really think about what we're speaking beyond the meanings that we're wanting to give the words, there's something deeper with every breath or every pulse or every sound that is coming through each and every word that is being spoken, and that is how we are the living prayer in an ongoing basis. So when we're talking about the vibrational voice of things and really understanding that it's not so much what we're putting out there but necessarily more so the sound that is intoning inside with everything we do, be it unconscious or conscious, how can we then take that vibrational voice that is our sound, that is the word we put out there, and really impact it by becoming more present to that so that we can move to more of a presence with Tony? You know, the true key, what a great series of questions, the true key for me uh, is what started me on my sort of path of consciousness, which is breath. And, of course, breath and sound, as in vibration, as in toning, it's the same word again in Aramaic. It means frequency or vibration. And for me, the great awareness for me is simply to become aware of my breath, to be able to not necessarily change what my breath is doing, but just be aware of it. And from within that awareness... One thing that happened for me and something I was doing as a child was toning. I would uh, just sit and I would notice that when I I think back now, it's almost, uh, it puts a lump in my throat because I'm like, wait a second, when my parents were getting divorced, I would go outside, I would pay attention to my breath, sit next to the stream and I would go, "Mm," or I would make sounds. And if I've got uh, an autistic nephew, when he gets overwhelmed, he makes sounds, he tones. When my mother was dying in her last, final moments with cancer a few years ago she was toning uh children tone as they're coming in it's an amazing thing that for me just making a basic sound you don't have to tone a particular aramaic word but just to sound like oh you can do your mouth closed each of those sounds those letters in ancient Aramaic had a very specific meaning and what they believed in ancient times, not only in the Aramaic culture, but in Akkadian, Phoenician, Sumerian, Egyptian, etc. They believed that as you made these frequencies, as you made these tones, that you were actually awakening your direct realization of experience of what that tone exemplified and or birthed itself as, you know, 
as as a frequency through you. In other words, the sound ah meant everything. It was symbolized by the ox. And the original letter was a circle with two horns on it for the original letter going back like 4,000 years because an ox was an animal that was strong, not because it had strong legs or haunches or shoulders, but because it used its entire body holistically in a state of absolute wholeness so that when we make the sound ah, we are exemplifying strength in wholeness, that in true wholeness is where true strength comes from. And we exemplify that with the first letter of the Aramaic alphabet. Ah. Something as simple as just making an ah sound, you'll feel it in three or four seconds, as opposed to meditation and all these other amazing tools that we have, including breath work. The thing about breath and or toning is you feel it instantaneously, a newbie that's never done it before. So you're able to get them in touch with something very deep, very quote-unquote spiritual that's been right here the entire time. It's just a matter of bringing it into our conscious awareness. And with the toning that takes place, you know, many times there are lots of different practices that people undertake, and they, they undertake them to try to reach a certain point. But because we're so outer-focused, because we believe this world outside of us is so real, we think what we're doing we're putting out there. But what it's really happening is it's creating a shift or a change internally. So when you're toning, that vibration, even though it sounds like it's going outside, it's really reverberating internally in the internal universe that's taking place. So what's the change that's taking place vibrationally, both on the external level and on the internal level when someone tones? For me, it's a matter of the best word I can come up with is recalibration. It's, such a huge key there is not necessarily the thought that we're sending a vibration out, but rather that we're allowing ourselves to be open enough in the deep space of this present moment to allow ourselves to be toned. And by being that tone, we're essentially bringing ourselves back to the still point. Uh, T.S. Eliot, I quote in the book, the still point of the turning world. We're allowing our attention to come back to the center of everything in our awareness. And by coming from that still point, we're essentially sending out a fresh, in Steve Vai's forward in the book, he called it the primordial ping, talking about coming back and sending out a fresh ping from the still point, from the spaciousness, from the emptiness, the no-thingness, and allowing ourselves to be toned in that pure crystalline manner like that, rather than the vibrations that we're sending out from our everyday thought waves, you know, our thought patterns, all of our goals and dreams, which is all great. But if we're not bringing those ideas, those thoughts, those actions through in presence from that still point, they may be erratic. They may not be calibrated to that sort of universal whole, the, the balance of the universal mind. So by me simply being aware of first my breath, and then from that, allowing a tone to emanate forth, whatever that tone may be, I really do feel and I know that we're talking about a recalibration, about essentially bringing the body back into balance, bringing the tuning forks, the energy body, what Yeshua called Haikla. Haikla was called body temple or the temple. He never called it a body, a corpse, a pagra. called it a temple, which Haya is literally the word conscious life energy. I come to give you Haya and give it abundantly. I come to give you life consciousness and give that in abundance and that's what he called the energy body was high claw claw means a gathering of conscious life energy and we're actually allowing that to come back into a recalibration that's 
appears to be refreshed, but it's not necessarily refreshed. It's just more in tune, more in harmony with that cosmic mind, that universal mind. And this happens through frequency and vibration. Yeah, you talk about it in terms of sound health. And so is that what is sound health? It's really assisting in the recalibration of matter through the use of sound, and not just the use of sound, because you also write that it's not necessarily even regarding the pronunciation. It's more about the intention or how we're holding the sound. Oh, purely and wholly. Yeah, it's not necessarily about... One of the things I say a lot in the book is I don't necessarily tone and show people toning so that they can feel what the word means or the sound means so much as so that they allow themselves to be open to be able to have that feeling at such a depth that they can't even put words to it. They can't even say, I feel peaceful or I feel, feel this, but rather it's like beyond words because a lot of these feeling states are so far out of the realm of our five basic human senses that we're not going to be able to put words to it. And sound health, uh, Jonathan Goldman in a few of his books, great sound healing uh, master, really a pioneer for the last 30, 40 years, along with Stephen Halpern and some others, he talks about sound health kind of like an orchestra and the recalibration of the energy body being, you know, you go to an orchestra, you go to hear Carmen Burana or Beethoven's Fifth or something, of course, they're going to be out there tuning up because if they're not in tune, it doesn't matter what's on the page. If they make the sound, if they're out of tune and they haven't allowed themselves to essentially come back into the calibration with each other to recalibrate together as a whole, then it doesn't matter what's on that page in music. It's going to come out as a hammered mess. But, of course, they start by that open presence of recalibration. And now, for me, that's the breath. You allow yourself to just simply be aware of your breath. And in that recalibration process, allow whatever tone that feels like it's going to come through to come through. The ah sound is one of those sounds that's so basic. uh, And yet, there's so much realization in that sound. You think about ah, it's like ah, I understand, or ah, I like this experience. It's that feeling of wholeness with with whatever is happening right now. And for me, sound health is essentially that recalibration of the energy body, much like the component instruments of an orchestra. And the more we allow ourselves to come back to that still point, to come back into that tuning with that cosmic tuning fork, just through vibration of breath and toning, whatever other method we may seek, meditation, music, by allowing ourselves to come back into that open space of presence, we're going to feel that. And then everything we create from that point forward comes from that place of presence. And rather than us living life, we're allowing ourselves to be lived. One of the questions I always ask my groups is, are you breathing or are you being breathed? Mm, And I'm going to stop you right there for a commercial break. Steve Vai writes in the foreword of Echoes of an Ancient Dream, everything is music. All things in creation are vibrational energies pulsating at various frequencies. On the physical plane, we see, taste, feel, smell, and hear vibrations that have frequencies within our sensory abilities to perceive them. The electrons spinning around the nucleus of an atom, the quarks within the nuclei, and the elements that make up the subatomic quantum levels are vibrating within a frequency spectrum that is contributing to the creation of elements that are beyond the limitations of our human senses. Similarly, but on a much larger scale, the planets that spin around our sun create a vibrational voice as the solar systems move within a galaxy within the infinite galaxies that move within the whole of physical creation. 
all weaving a multi-pitched celestial orchestra beyond the comprehension of human senses. This is from the book Echoes of an Ancient Dream by Dale Allen Hoffman. You can find out more about him and all of his work at daleallenhoffman.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. 1111 Magazine releases a brand new issue next week after a year and a half in hiatus. It has been a time of stillness and a time of its own recalibration and opening to new gates of perception. As this new magazine comes forth, it is approaching many of the places in our world that seem dark so that we can understand the light within them. It is a time for us to embrace duality as oneness, to understand that the entire polarity and spectrum of consciousness includes all emotion, all experience, all happenings as experience experiencing itself. I invite you to explore 1111 Magazine at 1111mag.com and also take a look at my own books, Conversations with the Universe, Your Journey to Enlightenment, and Your Journey to Love at my website, imsimmering.com. Right now we are with Dale Allen Hoffman talking about his book Echoes of an Ancient Dream and his work on Aramaic toning on the path of light. Tones touch on something that is much more naturally cosmic and eternal by its very nature. 
the inherent power of these ancient sounds is less predicated by perfect or correct physical pronunciation as it is by the clarity of our intentions, goals, and willingness to be open to feel their natural expansion and expression through us as us. It is so very important for each of us to remember and embrace our own unique relationship with these ancient words and sounds in whatever manner we choose. We can move our awareness toward whatever sounds and tones resonate most deeply for our life journey. It is all a matter of personal choice. Whether you are looking for the scientific study of linguistics or the living, breathing essence of your deepest eternal truth, you must embrace this passion with the wholeness of your heart. This is from Echoes of an Ancient Dream, and you can find out more about Gail Allen Hoffman at gailallenhoffman.com. Be sure to check out his YouTube videos and sign up for his newsletter, and you can find out when and where he is speaking or conducting some of his teaching circles. Welcome back, Gail. We were talking a little bit about how toning really is an inherent part of us, how we come in as children, and as I think of my own children, they're always humming or singing. Um, it seems to be just a part of them. And as I think about sitting with my mom in the hospital last week um, and sh- as she approaches her 80s, it, there were times where she would go into sleep and, and she would be not talking in her sleep, but there would be kind of a humming sound that would come forward. And so toning or sound is very much a part of our distinct soul language that we somewhat depart from as we become conditioned and um, I don't know whether the word is more educated or more socialized, but it seems to change how we we view language or we view toning uh, or we view sound. So how do we move from these beings that have been so subjugated to the conditioning of a world and living in a place that doesn't often recognize the sacredness and the holiness of each sound that exits our mouths and our bodies? Um, to ones that really move into the sacredness of that breath and taking the time to even just be with a sound or be with an ah or a breath or a sigh that has its own vibration. You know, it, for me, it's a matter of just allowing our ourselves, our mind to just stop now, wherever we are or whatever's happening right now, and just simply be aware of the breath uh, and aware of just whatever is happening right now in the present moment. There's a a bit in, I think it's chapter five of my book, where I quote Joseph Rael, one of my teachers, also known as Beautiful Painted Arrow, Tzlutikoe is his name in Tiwa, and he spoke of walking through his Picurus Pueblo village as a child near Taos, New Mexico, and he was always encouraged by his grandparents to allow his the lines to blur between his senses. In other words, to be able to breathe in colors, to be able to see sounds, to be able to hear the voice of the wind, and not so much delegate these different sort of sensory tasks to specific different monitoring systems in the human body. And he speaks in a lot of his work about how he was able to do that by simply just allowing himself to become empty. What does that mean, allow myself to become empty? It means to just stop. You don't necessarily have to physically stop moving, but just literally come back to your awareness of the vibration of your breath, of the expansion and the retraction, the expansion and the retraction. I know of no greater, more powerful tool 
than awareness of breath, of frequency. And for me, the toning is intimately threaded within my breath because the, the deep tones that I feel are those tones that come from the breath in my mother's passing. There's a, a breathing technique that I've been doing for 21 years now called still point breathing. Oh, 20, 23 years, actually. I've been certified for 21 years. And there's all these different sort of, I've tried all of the breathwork processes I could possibly get my hands on. Uh, and it's the one I always came back to because it was a very simple breath. And what was very interesting about still point breathing and the circular pattern of that breath is that it was the breath that my mother was very naturally doing in her final hours on earth. It was that circular breathing, circular breathing, and then there was this still point and then circular breathing, circular breathing, circular breathing, still point. And then ultimately the still point would get wider and the still point would get wider and the still point would get wider until eventually the frequency of her breathing stopped and the frequency of her heartbeat stopped. Now, for me, that silent space, that no-thingness, that emptiness, it's always there and it's always there in the presence of the moment. I quoted Eliot, the still point of the turning world. And by simply just being aware of my breath and if my breath, I'll notice that when I'm really freaking out, traffic jam, I feel like I'm late and I'm rushing to get somewhere, my breath's moving fast. And of course, if my breath is moving fast, my circulation is fast and my heartbeat is fast. That's stress, that's heart attack territory, whatever it may be. But we can actually be right in the center of that. The key is to be able to recognize, not necessarily that you're flying off the hook, but recognize that that still point is always there. We can always recalibrate in any present moment by simply stop, allow oneself to be open, let the wind blow through you in the words of the Lakota, and allow your breath to move consciously. And then if you feel a tone, maybe it's a silent tone, maybe you're going to make the ah sound without actually making the sound. I can just be aware of that in Cosmic Chants and so many of his other books, Yogananda spoke of superconscious toning, which is that, or superconscious singing, where it's like you've got the om, and then you've got it sort of more subconscious where it's a little lighter, and then even more subconscious where you're aware of it. And the real magic is when you get to that place where the tone is just there, and you're not even necessarily thinking about it. You're just in its vibration. And that happens through your awareness of your own breath. Meaning, what does that mean? I'm aware that my body is breathing. That simple, that one simple little technique, for me, changed everything. Because I realized when I looked back on my life, all those times when I was in emotional intensity, I wasn't aware that I was breathing. Nobody ever said, mm -hmm. be aware of your breath. Nobody ever told me that. And I got to a certain point where wait a second here, this is always here. And I in the words of Matt Kahn, who's a great teacher that's out there right now, the quality of my life is in 100% direct proportion to the quality of my breathing. Mm. Or should I say you awareness? something about common thread as you were talking, and in the book you, you speak about this common thread as being a gleaming awareness, a gleaming thread of awareness which runs through the center of dozens of terms, which holds the magic of cultivating eyes that see and ears that hear. And you go on to speak about Milta. Could you talk a little bit about that term and the, the meaning of that and what this, what this encompasses when we're really looking at the, the whole body of, of particularly this book, Echoes of an Ancient Dream? Oh, absolutely. I, Milta is when Berashit etowihoa Milta, which in Aramaic is that phrase, in the beginning was the word. 
uh, milta is that word translated as word. Of course, it's logos in Greek. Intriguingly, in Greek, logos is not a word on a page. Lexus or lego would be a written word on a page. Okay? Uh, in Aramaic, milta, translated as word, is also, again, can't be a word on a page. Mela is a word on a page. Now, ta genders the word milta. I'm going to sort of slow down to explain feminine from uh, an ancient perspective. Feminine, as an example, I'm sitting here at my desk. My observation, my experience and or observation or perception of my desk that I'm sitting at, my perception of that desk is feminine in terms of linguistics or language. The actual physical desk itself is masculine. My perception is feminine what I'm perceiving, the thing, the car, the book, the word on the page, whatever, is masculine. Now, again, you know, we, we've been speaking of duality. When I say this, I'm not talking about feminine and masculine as two different things that create a whole. I'm speaking of two qualities of one singularity or continuum, meaning that when you're in sort of a far end of one end of the spectrum, it, it's more feminine. When you're at the other end, it's masculine. But in fact, these aren't separate from each other. If you've got a battery that runs from positive to negative, there's not a person on the planet that can show you and point to the place where it changes from negative to positive. The reason for that is because there is no such location. Monitoring equipment uh, with an electromagnetic system might be able to they'll, they'll sense that center but it's consistently moving if it was a needle it would be moving back and forth just like our awareness of this present moment if we feel slightly off it's because we're out of balance if we're you know that balance between the non-manifest and the manifest the the spiritual and the physical when we're in that balance we feel straight up we feel balanced now that word milta in the beginning was the word what that really means is being feminine, it's not a word on a page. In truth, it couldn't be a word on the page because in that time they said that was a blasphemy to say that the word written by the hand of a human being was the word of God. That was blasphemy. Blasphemy in Aramaic means to cut something away from its true source. The word is actually frequency. The word is vibration. The word is intention. Intriguingly, I've got uh, in the book, I've got about, I don't know how many tone, or words, maybe 50 different words that are each an approximation of what the word milta means in Aramaic, but none of those are a direct translation because there's actually no word in English, modern English, that you can translate the word milta word as. None of those are suffice. Each is an aspect of it, but none are it. That word milta is not a stagnant word on a page, but my experience and or my perception of that tone as I'm making it or my perception of the word on the page. In other words, if I look down and I see the word love, love isn't what milta means. It's not the word that's written down, but rather what do I feel when I observe that word? What do I feel when I say love? What do I feel when I say the word, the primary word for love in Aramaic? Rahma, Rama. What do I feel when I go, Rama? What do I feel in that experience? That, it was in the beginning was that. In the beginning was the direct experience of vibration and frequency, not a physical stag stagnant handwritten word on a page it's the in the direct feminine experience itself in the beginning of everything was what it was frequency and vibration because that's what manifestation is it's vibration
when you talk about the masculine and the feminine of different sounds, uh, there was a portion in your book where you go into the perceptions and the experiences and the attitudes and the observations as being more of a feminine. And you speak about masculine as really being the manifest or the thing itself. And we're in a time period now where there is such a balancing of that masculine and feminine energy. And, and more so, there seems to be a lot of talk about how the feminine energy in particular needs to be really grounded in a much stronger way. And so when we look at things in terms of sound and tone in relation to perception, experience, attitude, and observation, is that receiving that has to take place that the feminine is known for really allowing us to receive this purified essence of tones and sounds and going on the inner so that we can purify the perception and the experience and the attitude that the feminine quality within us is yet to personify in a deeper way. That's exactly it. You know, one of the things that I often say is there's some people, you know, when we talk about something like homophobia and we see this amazing self-balancing system, here we are after thousands of years of physicality and this misogyny, literally women-hating, this man-controlled thing, masculine control, after thousands of years of that, what more beautiful self-balancing system could there be than the way we've somehow see more feminine essence coming through masculine human beings and more masculine essence coming through feminine human beings so that we're starting to realize that masculine and feminine has absolutely nothing to do with innies and outies, but rather with that experiential versus what the experience is and realizing that we're not talking about two different things. We're not talking even that duality thing isn't quite real. I love the word non-duality. It's like, yeah, but we're still talking about duality. Well, guess what? If you're in a physical human body, your thoughts are things. People that work on the level of changing your thoughts, that's cute, that's nice, but that's still outside in. Thought is physical. Thought is masculine. Just because you can't actually see it, we have to go back prior to thought about what's the feeling. What is it that we're feeling that doesn't need to be sort of boiled down into thought. And that balancing is happening right now in such a way that things that aren't calibrated are falling apart. The economy, the politics, the religion, uh, that sort of whatever um, publishing, like maximizing profits on uh, spiritual stuff. And not that that's necessarily bad, but how can we bring more presence into this, knowing that each step we take is done in a, from a place of presence, from a place of mindfulness. And the, for me, uh, for whatever reason, even from the time I was young, the feminine was something I felt comfortable with. And yet I've got friends that, no, 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 no feminine. Lots of football, that's fine. Lots of, you know, race cards, that's fine. You know, punching each other in the head and like keg parties and all that stuff, that's all fine. I've got friends that are still doing all that stuff. Okay, whatever, but... Me in this incarnation, I'm just I'm seeking to to be in that space of balance between the non-manifest, the manifest, between the emptiness and this whatever we call human life, between nowhere and now here, or should I say everywhere and now here? And and when we look back at Yeshua's teachings, they were actually feminine. The way he spoke them, the the way he intended them it all came through in a very feminine way. How did we masculinize Yeshua's teachings? Well, we boil it, and that's absolutely, they were 100% completely feminine because they were about states of being. They were about 
perceptions and awareness, not about physical fences or ideologies to live up to. And that's exactly where it happened. We boiled it down onto a page. Not that it's bad to write it down, but we boiled it down onto a page. And now we've got written words and it becomes something to live up to. It becomes fences that you're not supposed to go outside of the fence rather than realizing that the reason he would speak in parables in the words of Cynthia Bourgeau, she says they were meant to fry our sockets. We weren't supposed to figure out the physical words, but rather come from that place of presence that his teachings came from, because that's the still point at the center of all of our energy bodies. And to realize that what happened over the years is it got boiled down and it hardened into the set of ideologies in thousands of different versions, everyone with the correct one from their own perspective. And then we started having a relationship with the ideologies and the concepts and the religious ideas, as opposed to having the direct religious experience of gnosis right now in the present moment and that's what he was really talking about not about the stuff boiled down into ideologies on a page it's not the same thing it's not about having a relationship with concepts but about relationship itself with life i'm going to break for another commercial the word is the original prototype or primal archetype which organizes and forms the basis for the world reality or dream that we perceive as our life it is also the final manifestation and the essential matrix of intelligence which brings about this ultimate manifestation as one singular, undivided continuum or whole undivided process. The word is the film strip in the projector, the projector and the projection screen as one undivided whole. The word is the essential thread of communication between the fear and the seen, between the initial spark or idea and its ultimate manifestation. In truth, the word is the original vision the process of manifestation, as well as the final creation as one singular whole continuum of being. This is from Echoes of an Ancient Dream, Aramaic Toning on the Path of Light, from David from Dale Allen Hoffman. You can find out more about Dale at daleallenhoffman.com. Check out his uh, YouTube channel in addition to his other products and events, and you can find out about his toning Alchemy Circle, along with more about Echoes of an Ancient Dream. We'll be right back with Dale Allen Hoffman. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... 
People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. We are not the world that we envision and dream. We are life itself. Our thoughts create our human dream, which we then mistakenly view as our life. It is time for us to awaken into the realization of Paramahansa Yogananda's guidance that we learn to see the dualistic scenes of life as the ever-joyous witness of a stupendous cosmic drama. We are the not what we perceive as the world, but rather we are literally the conscious light of life itself. This is from the book Echoes of an Ancient Dream, Aramaic Turning on the Path of Life, from Dale Allen Hoffman. You can find out more about him at com. And also, I invite you to sign up for his newsletter. He's always sending out free things. Check out his YouTube channel, and you can check out CD Baby or iTunes for much of his music and different uh, CDs and such of toning. So he's got a lot to offer, and I invite you to go take a look. Dale, we were talking a bit about Yeshua's teachings being feminine, and as I look at, at how we are composed of light, sound, and color, you know, everything to me also boils down to that mathematical component, that sacred geometric component. And when I think about vibration, if if we look at vibration, let's say on a drum and there are specks of sand on there, they're going to create a configuration. They're going to create a design. And when I look at the world and I see people and the sounds that we put out or the vibrations that we are, we tend to come together with like particles of ourselves. And that is fractalization. And so we are, without even knowing, creating fractals, creating the geometry of different fractals throughout the planet, throughout the vibrations, frequency, and sounds that we resonate. When we look at the use of toning and sound and sacred geometry, speak a little bit about the fractals as you see them emerging on the planet and how the more we allow ourselves to utilize tools such as this and deepen our awareness of these feminine principles, how we really start stepping into fractals that are more in line alignment with the higher vibrational soul. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, right in Chapter 1 of my book, I talk about how the first time I ever heard the Aramaic Lord's Prayer, 
and I, it was the middle of the night, couldn't sleep, and I had this uh, experience where I was literally seeing what I now know are fractals, these dancing patterns of light in the trees in the middle of the night, and then went down to a lake and did some toning, first time I'd ever consciously toned, and was having that experience in the water and the trees around me and the rock faces around me, which reminded me of how I had those experiences when I was a kid, five, six, seven years old. Um, to me, the deepest experiences of toning that I've ever had, the ones that were mo pro most profound for me, are the ones where I just absolutely allowed myself to be completely empty and open in the moment. And what happens is, I'm not trying to for some kind of perfect technique. I'm simply, again, allowing myself to be open, allowing that tone to move through me. And when this happens, we start to hit on overtones. And there's lots of people out there teaching techniques for overtones, and that's fine technique. But if we could just teach people to be open, the techniques after the fact will take care of themselves. When I have these experiences of the, the overtones, I start seeing fractals and I start feeling myself opening like a fractal. It, fractals are so, so intriguing to me because when Benoit Mandelbrot started talking about fractals several decades ago, the science community said, no, 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 not true. It's all based on bad math, whatever. Here we are, like, what, 50 years later, and fractals are the basis of everything. We're starting to see as we go deeper into the subatomic level, that fractals are all over the place. They're in their snowflakes, they're ice crystals, they're in the work of Masaru Emoto, the hidden messages in water. In my introduction, I talk about how if you take salt crystals or something that's, you know, salt crystals are probably the best example, and you put them on a drum head and you put a speaker next to it, it starts to resonate and you'll start seeing fractals starting to form. You'll see different kinds of patterns. And for me, that's what sound healing really is. It's not necessarily using sound to heal, but rather that when we allow ourselves to come back to those natural frequencies and vibrations of tones and just be aware of those frequencies and vibrations, breath, heartbeat, toning, etc., the sounds around us, the sounds of nature, the sounds of, of actually toning, that we're actually having that experience of, and the ancients said this, they said it in uh, the, the ancient uh, Egyptian, the proto-Sinaitic styles of writing, they said that when you make these sounds, you're going to basically retune yourself into what the sound exemplified, and that's saying exactly what we're seeing in fractals, that when you have that, the salt crystals, the dry salt crystals on the top of a drum head and you put a speaker next to it, it starts to move those crystals into those fractal patterns, which is exactly what they were doing in the 60s. The Grateful Dead and the Jefferson Airplane were taking overhead projectors and putting water and different colors of oils and paints on there and putting a huge speaker next to it and then projecting it up on the wall behind their concerts and you would actually see these fractal patterns forming of course they were trying to recreate acid trips on some level but there's still something very cosmic and divine in the recognition of that it's all part of these layers of awakening that we're consistently going through the, the more open I allow myself to be in the moment, the more I recognize those fractal patterns. And that's what synchronicity is. The more I recognize the patterns, the more I recreate those patterns by being more calibrated within where those patterns are coming from and their natural evolution and expansion. And the more my life seems to be in sync, synchronicity with these fractal patterns that are everywhere. And I can just be walking down the road I, I've been stuck in traffic and notice fractals. I mean, it's just a matter of being awake, but your, your brain can't think it. It's not something your mind can touch on. 
for me, it's almost like I'm sliding in between dimensions, uh, these different dimensions of reality that even science now, just within the last six months, is, is uh, confirming that we've got an infinite multitude of dimensions that were consistently popping in and out of in all dimensions of reality. When I was a teenager, actually it was my early 20s, I was hanging out with a guy named Michael Talbot in New York City who wrote a book called The Holographic Universe that changed everything. And that had a lot to do with recognizing these holistic holographic patterns in every aspect of our life. When we recognize the patterns, we recreate those patterns and our life becomes more in harmony with that cosmic universal voice or vibration. There's so much more that we can actually go into today. Um, there's, there's so much about, you know, really delving into the Hebrew alphabet and the Aramaic and the turning and, and all of that. But I'm going to invite people to go to your website to really learn more and to deepen their own discovery of you and what you have to share. What I'd love to finish the show out with really has to do with children. Uh, we, we can do the work on ourselves. We can... Uh, allow ourselves to be more and more conscious and, and deepen our own practices so that that ripples out in the world. But we can do even more through cultivating uh, these practices in our children or simply by being present to what they already know within themselves and allowing that to flower. Can you talk a little bit about how we can really support our children in remaining conscious because they come in that way? Um, so that we don't decondition what, uh, what, what already exists as pureness and holiness. Oh, you know, when I do toning circles with children, uh, or even just toning with my little girl or my son Mikey, the thing that really resonates the most deeply for me is that they don't really care about what the word means, and i got to put means in, in quotes, because just because I'm telling people what things mean in Aramaic or Coptic or Hebrew doesn't necessarily mean that every culture and every language is going to say that sound means exactly the same thing. But the thing that I've learned the most, the place that I've got the most rich evolution in working with children with toning, is that they're just interested in the experience itself. They're interested, they're just naturally before everything's dumped on top, naturally pre-wired for a, a very consistent evolution and expansion. And if I can allow myself to be open in the moment to tone with a child or just help them to be aware of the frequencies and the vibrations of life, be aware of their breath, that everything is going to take care of itself. We, we have this insane, especially here in the West, this meddling thing where we need to help them grow up perfectly. We need to like force these ideas and these ideologies and these morals and these you know, religious ideas on top of them, which nothing could be further from the truth. Unfortunately, what we're doing is we're actually stunting their natural expression. That word educare in Latin means to foster the growth of or also to draw out the essence of. And that's not really what education's become here in the West, including with many you know, religious or spiritual ideas. We tend to put the idea on the child rather than maybe laying it down in between the two of us and say, let's take a look at this. We're going to make a sound. I just want to ask you, what do you think? How does it feel when you make this sound? I think the biggest idea or the most important thing about children, for me, spending so much time and working with my own and others' children, 
and teenagers too. Teenagers love toning. It's, I've cried with the things that they say because they come into the room. At the Unity Church of Phoenix, you know, had a whole room full of teenagers. It's one of the biggest Unity Churches in the country, in Tallahassee and here in Asheville, all over the place. They come in going, oh God, rolling their eyes, and by the end they're going, oh my God, I've never felt so one with everything, and all I did was make a weird sound. And I'm mm. like, ah, imagine that. You know, I'm, rather than trying to force our ideas on them, just kind of, as I say, lay, the, lay it, lay that experience of the tone or being aware of the breath, lay it on the table in, in, in the middle of you metaphorically and say, let's try something, okay? You're not trying to force an idea, but just allowing them to be open. Because I can guarantee you there's more that we have to learn from them. You know, as elders, we can you know, be a little bit of a way shower, but I think the most important thing we can do is allow them to think for themselves, allow them to feel for themselves, allow them to know that whatever they need, it's always there in the center of their being, and there's nothing outside that they need to add in to whatever that inner interiority is to make it somehow more complete, because they started from completion. They were born in a, a place of wholeness, and then they just started to forget. They're still whole, no matter what, how messed up their life seems to be. They're still whole. It's just a matter of letting go of the dream or the thought systems we've created and just come back to that still point. If you come back to the still point, it will recalibrate, and then you can birth from that place of balanced presence. And that, to me, is the most important idea I can offer to them, is to allow themselves to be open beyond ideas, just to stay open. That's beautiful. I want to thank you for being on 1111 Talk Radio, Dale. I invite you all to check out his book, Echoes of an Ancient Dream, Aramaic Toning on the Path of Light, DaleAllenHoffman.com. Go to his YouTube video, sign up for his newsletter, check out CD Baby and iTunes for uh, much of his music, and you will have um, some wonderful surprises there to partake in. Join me next week as I interview Master Del P, and we go into the third eye a really, really fascinating book, so I invite you to tune in. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.